God is indeed moving in so many ways around here among our family. And even during the summer, God is still moving. Can you believe it? God, believe it or not, does not take the summer off. God is just as active this summer as he is the rest of the year. And so because of that, we're starting a new series today and for the next few weeks called Hope Stories at all of our campuses in West Des Moines and at North Branch. And 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 I was thinking about this. It is so important for, for us as a church, and especially for us being a younger church, being being just over two years old, it's so important that we regularly take the time to step back and look at how God is moving and to celebrate that. We can get our blinders on, and it's the next thing after the next thing, it's the next thing, and we, we got to get back to school, and we got all these things going on our jobs, and we just kind of start going through the motions. It is so important that we step back once in a while and celebrate what God is doing, because he is changing lives around here. God is doing some incredible things, and, and because that's why we're here. That's why we exist as a church. We exist for people that don't know Jesus. We exist for people that don't have a church home. God is in the business of changing lives, and we're in business with God. And business is really good, and that's really exciting to be a part of that. Uh, God is in the business of changing lives in the city and here with us. And when we think about what God is doing through the church, I think that for us, a lot of the best stories, when we think about the stories that have happened here the last two years, so much of it often gets overlooked because it's not seen by a majority of us because so many things are happening outside the walls or outside the box, as Laura just talked about. So today what we're going to do is we're first going to take a closer look at a God that works outside the box a lot. Secondly, who Jesus calls us to be to work outside the box. And finally, to hear some hope stories of how, uh, as a church, we here at City Branch are living outside the box and doing ministry outside the walls of this church, living missionally here in Des Moines. You know, sometimes uh, you might come in here and you think, hmm, I have never worshipped in a place that has Charles C. McGuire Gymnasium on the wall. That's, that's a new thing for me, you know? And, uh, and you look around the walls and you see, you know, signs that say, be a good sport and gym shoes needed. And, you know, we'll find some, you know, small, uh, you know, leftovers from lunch down in the lunchroom once in a while and things like, you know, this is new. This is different. We're doing church outside the box. And sometimes I think we, we get into thinking this uh, once in a while. That, that not having an official church building, there's not a steeple on Hubble Elementary School, we think that not having an official church building means that, oh, maybe we're not a real church. You know? But when I think about it, it's actually a tremendous blessing. As I look back over the last two years, is because it forces us to rethink about what the word church actually is. That maybe there's more to being the church than just a building that maybe there's more to being a church than just what we do here on Sunday mornings. In fact, it allows us to do church outside the box. And I love that because uh, I believe that when you look through the story, if you hold your Bible out in front of you right now, we're going to be looking up a few verses. As you've got that in front of you, all throughout that story, that is God's story and that is your story, all throughout that story, you see a God who is a sending God. You never see a God that is just staying in one place. You never see a God that is simply saying, well, just stay here and and, and we're going to do things the same way over and over and over and over. God is a very creative God. God is a sending God. God is a sending God. God. And so what I want to do is we're going to just going to do a short little Bible study here this morning first. And we're going to sort of take a jet tour through a little bit of the Old Testament and then into the New Testament and look at what kind of a God 
we have that likes to work outside the box. And the references are going to be up there uh, on the screen. So first turn to Genesis chapter 3, way at the beginning. Genesis chapter 3. Who is this God that works outside the box? Genesis chapter 3. If you remember the story here, Adam and Eve have just eaten from the tree that was forbidden by God. They've eaten the fruit and uh, totally screwed up. This is the first sin. They've rebelled against God. But watch what God does. We often overlook this part of the story. Look at verse 8. Chapter 3, verse 8. It says this, When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife, Adam and Eve, heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Like, do you see what's happening here? The God of the universe, the God that created everything, all of creation, who created the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve have just sinned. They've done the very thing that God doesn't want them to do. And does God sit up in heaven and go, Oh, shoot, everything I just planned. Man, it's all messed up, right? God is walking in the garden with them. And God says, where are you? From the very, very beginning of the story, we see a God that comes to us. God is working outside the box. God is pursuing us. Next, let's go to Genesis chapter 12. Stay in the same book. Genesis chapter 12. And this theme kind of continues. This is the story of Abraham. Genesis chapter 12. If you've got it, say, I got it. All right. Verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram. Abraham, former name was Abram. Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go... To the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. God doesn't come to Abraham in this story and say, Abraham, I have some very, very, very important work for you to do, and so I want you to stay here. Abraham, I'm going to make you a great Bible hero, and so what I want you to do is stay here. I want you to take some Bible classes. I want you to memorize all the scriptures and just get everything in your life arranged and put together. Abraham, I want you to get really, really comfortable, and then you'll do great things for me. Right? That's not what God says. For Abraham to be obedient, he had to get up and go. He had to work outside the box. He had to leave his comfort zone. God is a sending God. And so you might be thinking, okay, is this this sort of action by God, is that just limited to the Old Testament? Actually, Jesus picks right up where his father leaves off. Flip ahead to the Gospels, John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 14. Jesus picks right up where his father left off. And instead of sitting back, God actually does the greatest act of sending ever. Chapter 1, verse 14. So the word, Jesus, became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And so now with Jesus, God continues to move towards us, even in our, even in our sin, as Romans says, Christ died for us. In our weakest point, God didn't sit back, God moved towards us. And the, the message version of the Bible, I wouldn't exactly call it a translation is more of a paraphrase but i love what the message says in verse 14 it says this the word became flesh and blood 
and moved into the neighborhood. <laughs> That's a loose translation, right? But and moved. Don't you love that? Jesus came to town, right? It's like Santa Claus is coming to town. Jesus came to town. That's what cha- uh, John chapter one verse fourteen is saying. God came to town because God says, "I refuse to be put in a box." You think I'm just this big God that's out of touch with what you might be dealing with today, whatever is going on inside of you today? God says, I'm not out of touch. In fact, I'm willing to come to you and meet you right where you are today. And finally, to kind of continue this theme on at the end of the Gospels, when Jesus ascends to heaven, he's giving us our instructions as a church. What do you think that Jesus asks of us? If God's been a sending God, if God's been a going God, what do you think Jesus' final words are to us? Go, right? As any good leader, Jesus is the greatest leader ever, and he's demonstrating that here because what do good leaders do? They never ask their followers to go anywhere and to do anything that they haven't first done themselves. And Jesus models that for us here. All throughout history, God has been go, go, send, send. And his last words are to us are go. John chapter 20, you don't have to look this one up, but John chapter 20, verse 21, this is the clearest picture of it. Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And then you all know this one well from Matthew chapter 28. You can look that one up. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. The first word of Jesus' last words to us here on this earth, after therefore, is go. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God is a sending God. God is a God that is moving, that is active. And when you think about this, and you think about that story all throughout Scripture, that God is a sending God, he's always on the move, this is not a new idea for us here at Hope, because it's written into our mission statement. Let's throw that up on the screen. The first part, the top part there, is our mission statement, Hope Wide. So let's read that together. Reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. It's written into the very fabric of our DNA of who God has called us to be as a church, to be sent out to reach out to the world around us. And now, how are we doing that at City Branch specifically? If you flip your bulletin over, every single week there's a little part on the back that says a missional community. Well, how are we doing that? There's two main areas that we're carrying this out. First of all, building bridges of hope to the city, reaching out in relationship. And secondly, building missional leaders. Leaders who are sent So when we come up with these mission statements and we come up with these strategies, we're not just like, oh, what would be a really cool sounding mission statement, right? We're not just sitting around drinking coffee. Hmm, I wonder what we should do as a church, you know? We get it from God's word. God is ascending God, and so we are a people who are sent. And you'll notice that both of these are outward focused. They have to do with we as a church not sitting back and waiting for people to necessarily come to us, but going to people in relationship, because God is always sending. And that's, in fact, how the church started. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I think we have this up on the screen. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Let's read this together. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
This is how the church started as well, with a sending, with a message and a mission. The entire premise, the the entire reason that the early believers gathered together was to come together in Jerusalem for the first place was that Jesus says, I'm going to pour out my Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you power for what purpose? So that you can be sent. And when I think about places that are really good at sending people, the first thing that comes to mind is airports. Has anybody spent time at airport lately? Have you been to an airport recently? Anyone? Okay. So a few years ago, uh, our family was heading out to Seattle. So we needed uh, to fly. And we were headed out there for a big, big old family reunion. And so my uncle works for Northwest, now Delta Airlines. And, and he's working for the airline and he's flying all the time. So he's like, oh, you know, this will be great. We'll just fly standby. Seven of us flying standby. And uh, now I think, you know, if I would have known beforehand, before this whole ordeal, what the word standby truly meant, I'm not sure I would have ever stepped foot inside the airport that day. You know, standby, it kind of makes you seem like, okay, I'm going to drive to the airport, I'm going to get there, and then I'll just stand by for a little bit, and then I'll just hop on the airplane, right? That's how it works. Well, let's just say that that's not exactly how things work went. Okay, so first the wait was okay, and we were just kind of hanging out as relatives, and we were playing some cards and having some snacks, but then three hours, and then five hours, and then seven hours, and we got to the airport at 10 a.m., and it's getting to be like five or six in the evening, but no spots are opening up for planes to Seattle, and so the, the, the night drags on. It starts to get past 10 p.m. We have been at the Minneapolis-St. Paul airport now for 12 hours, okay? And so the shops are closing down. There's nowhere to get food. You you see people start, like, curling up, you know, like you see an open bench. It's amazing how people can form little nooks and little beds. You know, they're curling up. I saw somebody put two tables together and lay across a table. I saw one guy will nestle up next to a Coke machine because he wanted to get some privacy. It's like people do strange things in airports after 10 p.m. at night. Well, needless to say, at midnight, 14 hours after we got there of standing by or laying by or whatever you want to call it. Um, We finally got boarded and we finally got to Seattle. But as I was thinking about the whole ordeal afterwards, I thought, why was this such a terrible experience? And why did I look like I had gotten hit by a truck the next day? Why did I look so terrible? Why do I never want to fly standby again? And it became very, very clear to me because airports... We're not created to be a destination. Airports were created to be a place where you came to be sent to your destination. And I believe that the church is no different. So we say every week on our bulletin, we want to be a missional church. And so this is what we mean. To be a church that exists, not to have you stand by, for 14 hours and wait, but to equip you to go and make disciples in the world. And I wonder, what if we came to worship each week with the same expectation that people go to the airport with? Do you watch people when they come to the airport? They're happy because they're going somewhere, right? They have a mission. And what if we came to worship every single week with that anticipation. Nobody comes to the airport for an hour, puts in their time, and then goes back home, right? You come to the airport for a reason, to get your gate number, to get your assignment. 
And so what if we said, along with the prophet Isaiah, here I am, Lord, send me. And don't get me wrong, certainly we are a gathered people. Scripture is very, very clear. Do not give up meeting together. And that's why we're here this morning. And it's powerful when we get together as a family. But the primary identity of the church is people in mission that are sent. And actually, this actually elevates the importance of what we're doing right now, of us being here each week. Because as we hear God's word, when we worship, when we encourage each other, it better equips us for the rest of the week. Analogy I've used before is like a little trampoline. So as you leave today, as you walk out those doors, I want you to imagine that right before you leave, there's like a little trampoline like that. And think, this is a sending church, and I am a sent people, and I've been called to go and make disciples. And so instead of just kind of walking out, oh, it's so hot and humid in Iowa, I want you to walk out that door today and just kind of walk and pretend that there's this little invisible trampoline there. People might look at you funny, but if we all do it, nobody will laugh. So just kind of walk by the door and just kind of go, Boom, and then off your sentence, the world, right? There's a sign above the door that says you are now entering the mission field. You are sent. And if you notice, as we look at the Great Commission, as we look at when Jesus says, go and make disciples, where does that mission start? Where does the mission start? For the early disciples, Jesus says, start in Jerusalem, the place where they were already living. And so Jesus says, I want you to be my witnesses. You're going to take it to the ends of the earth eventually, but start at home, start in your neighborhood. Don't want to forget about those people that are next to you that you see every single day. Sometimes I think when you hear a pastor say, you are sent, we need to go and make disciples. You're like, I can't, I don't have time. I have kids. I have a life. I have a job. I can't go to Africa. I guess I'm not a good person. I guess I'm not a good Christian. Maybe not all of us are called to do that. What if Jesus actually sent you to live as a missionary right where you are today? If we look at Jesus' call to go and make disciples, the actual word for go in the Greek is an ongoing action. Greek has some different verbs than, than we do, and they have this verb that is an ongoing action. And when Jesus says go and make disciples, a better translation of that in the Greek is actually in your going, as if you're already doing it. And so essentially, Jesus is saying, in your going, as you're moving throughout your life, go and make disciples. Jesus was sending a very clear message to us that he's assuming that we're already living and working and doing life with those people that are not disciples. Because it's really hard to make disciples when you only hang out with disciples. Jesus assumes that we've already taken up that call to be sent. He says, I want faith to impact every single area of your life. And so this is what we mean by being a missional leader. It's someone that understands, first of all, I am a disciple. I'm learning to live like Jesus. And second of all, I really truly believe that I am a missionary, that the kingdom of God is near. And so if some of you are listening to this and you're thinking, okay, go in my going. What does that look like? I wonder if where God may be sending to you, sending you, is closer than you think. And so we're going to watch a short video, and maybe this will help paint a picture in your mind of what church could look like outside the box. Let's take a look. Something incredible happens 
when we use our creativity and we think outside the box. What does church mean to you? What does church look like to you? And you may be thinking, okay, that looks really inspiring and, and I'm getting some ideas, but where do I start? What does that look like for me? And I'd like to propose two things to get us started. First of all, ask the question, where has God placed me? Because believe it or not, you are the only you we have. (laughs) There is nobody else that is in your set of life circumstances, even if they're not ideal for you today. You are the only you that we have. Where has God placed you uniquely today? And second of all, this one might surprise you, what are you passionate about? What is it that God has placed on your heart? What burns you? What do you lay awake at night thinking about? What are you passionate about? And that may just be the place to start. And so what does this look like very tangibly? What could that look like here in Des Moines? Well, as I said, God is doing some incredible things and changing lives. And I'm going to have Wade and Hillary come on up. And uh, I asked them to share uh, just a little bit today about what God is doing uh, through them and some ways that they are thinking uh, outside the box. Wade, I'll start with you. And you want to just tell us a little bit about what you have done with a garden. Yeah, I'm a part of a community garden. Um, it's over on the corner of near MLK and University. And it's about 3,000 square feet. That w- There's a group of us. We all kind of tend it together. Um, a lot of people don't have um, yards. And we all, a lot of us live in apartments or... Um, and a lot of people have a lot of experience gardening, so it's something that we can all kind of get together and learn to do, learn to do together. And um, it's, we've been doing it for about two years now. It's kind of funny the way it started. Uh, I was living in an apartment, wanted to grow some plants and um, tomatoes, that sort of thing, and didn't have anywhere to do it. Um, a friend, actually Ryan, who's here, um, said I could grow some stuff on an empty lot that he has, and we're kind of got around and somewhere that the idea of a community garden got interjected in there and we uh it was about april about the time that we were supposed to start planting some of the crops and we still had to pull back the sod and everything and somehow within like a month we had everything done and planted and so that's awesome. kind of what what we do sweet i'll ask hillary the same question if you want to tell us a little bit about what you've been up to um, for the past couple of years, I've been able to volunteer at <clears throat> Lutheran services at the Refugee Center, and um, it's actually something that started back in high school. I went down to Central Campus and got involved with an ESL classroom there, and then um, just kind of always was one of my passions and just kind of stuck. And um, then when I graduated from college, I got an opportunity to do um, an AmeriCorps VISTA year there, so I just started in November and was um, there full-time and been doing ESL classes and a lot of other stuff that comes up with um, working in a resettlement agency. So, Awesome. I'll pass it back to Wade. Uh, my next question is, what are some of the ways that you've seen God at work in some of these sort of unconventional ways of being the church outside of these walls? What are some ways that you've seen God really working in those people's lives? I would say I mean, it's really worked to bring people together and to develop relationships that maybe we wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, and with, between the people, and most of the people involved are, are Christian friends, 
Um, but we've kind of got closer that way, more of a sense of community. We've also got to know like some of the people in the neighborhood. I mean, we use the, the neighbors let us use their water. So we've got to know them, and we'll share some of the crops with them. And the guy, there's the guys uh, across the street that they're excited about it because it's it's something good for the. I mean, it's kind of a rougher area, so it's, it's good for the community. So that, I mean, we've kind of got to know the community some, and, and we know they appreciate it. So it really seems like with the garden, it was something that God had already placed on your heart. I mean, he wasn't saying, Wade, you have to go to Africa to reach people. He said, hey, maybe you can just start here. Yeah, yeah. Work. And it was, it was really more about doing something in the community and doing something with people than it was about. At, well, at that point, it was more about that than growing a tomato. Right. Did you have any idea what you were doing when you started? No. Cool. Fast Taylor. <laughs> Hiller, I'll ask you the same thing. What are some ways that you've seen God at work uh, with the refugee community? Um. Well, definitely, it's a similar in just building a relationship. I mean, it is a job from 8 to 5, but at the same time, it just becomes a huge part of your life, too, getting to know people beyond just work and um, just getting to a lot, of, a lot of new friends and stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, but also working with people who are just coming to America. I mean, it's a huge transitional time in their life, and being mm-hmm. um, just involved in those that's very intimate you know, time in their life and going through doctor's appointments and registering kids in school and just um, just seeing some really cool things happen. And um, when things are looking kind of impossible, too, there's just been some cool things that have come up. And, um, yeah, it's just been really fun to get to know a lot of people, and that's just building more relationships with people that you wouldn't have um, even known, you know, existed if they were still on the other side of the world. But it's just right. cool to kind of bridge that gap, too. Yeah, kind of a similar thing, too, in, in thinking about that the world has really come to us yeah. here in Des Moines and that you didn't have to go overseas to necessarily even do foreign missions, mm-hmm. that it was just right here. And it yeah. seems like this has been a, a job for you for a while, but it seems like even if it wasn't, yeah. I have a feeling you'd still be Definitely. doing that because there's yes. a connection there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, I feel incredibly blessed to have this be what I get to do every day. So Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so here's the last question, uh, a tough one. Uh, what has been something that you've learned about yourself, maybe through, it's been difficult at times, there's been times of frustration. What is something that God has taught you about yourself through doing this? I've definitely learned about my strengths and weaknesses through this. I mean, I, like, I, I truly believe that everyone's given gifts and uh, God's wired us a certain way that there's things that we do that we're made to do. We do, um, like, the hand and, and then the feet and that sort of thing. So I guess I, I've realized that my gift is not administration, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, and my gift is more getting down in the like actual getting in the dirt and I mean, being out there with, with people and um, doing that sort of thing. Um, so I've, I've learned that. I guess I've also I've kind of learned patience through the whole thing. You have to be patient when you're waiting. Um, months for a, a plant to grow and produce food, fruit and even um, improving soil quality and that sort of thing. It, it, it takes kind of a year-to-year patience, and I've been learning awesome. that as well. Sounds like some things that you maybe wouldn't have learned if you wouldn't have kind of took a step of faith and tried something new. You may not have realized that yeah, about yeah. yourself. Cool. Hillary, I'll ask you the same question. What have you learned about yourself through the process? Um. I think I've just really learned what I'm really passionate about. I mean, it's, I, like I said before, I just feel really blessed, and it's definitely the place where I feel like the most life. 
um, and the just I feel like that's the place where you're finding God the most too, which is mm-hmm. you know um, feels like it's very life giving for for me and just for the people. I mean, it's kind of a two way street, but I mean, I definitely feel blessed by it and just um, yeah. So finding what you're passionate about is very exciting. So yeah, yeah. Seeing and where that goes. it seems too like um, it it's something that. Um, God has, has placed on your heart that even though it's difficult at times, you're getting more out of it than necessarily what you're giving sometimes. Yeah. And that yeah. always happens when we reach out and we serve. God blesses us back and fills us up Definitely, uh, yeah. because of that. So awesome. Thank you. Let's give them a, give them a hand. Thank you. So Jesus says, go and be my witnesses. He doesn't necessarily say, and this is exactly how you have to do it. Jesus says, go and be my witnesses. Go and point people to me. There's a story of a young man that just got a job as a tour guide at an art museum. And his boss came to him this very first day and said, your job is very simple here. Your job is to gather the people together to bring them and show them the masterpiece and get out of the way. Bring them to the masterpiece and get out of the way. And that's his only job. And so the days and the months went on and he, he got the hang of this and he, he, he did his job so well that he started to, to, te- to teach the people all about the paintings. And he, he knew all about them and how they were hung and how they were framed and, and who the artist was and when they were born and, and what year it was painted in and what kind of paint they used. And, and so what he would do is he would bring people to the masterpiece and then he would think that it was all about him and he would stand in front of the masterpiece and he would say, well, let me tell you about this artist. And he would talk and talk and talk and talk and talk until a few months went by and his boss saw him doing this one day and he came to him and he said, have you forgotten what your job is? And he said, well, well yeah, I, I've learned so much about these paintings. I, 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 I have a really good grasp of what's going on here. I, I'm, doing, I'm, I'm, I'm telling him about the masterpiece. He said, your job was never to be an expert. Your job was to point people to the masterpiece and get out of the way. To be a tour guide. And I wonder if our job as Christians is no different. Gather people together in relationship, point them to the masterpiece and get out of the way. Because after all, what we are inviting people into is not just to a specific church building. We are inviting people into the life of Jesus Christ. That is what changes people's lives. That's what changed our life in the first place. Your changed life is the best witness that you can offer people. And whether you're planting a community garden or working with refugees from halfway across the world or doing it under your own roof with your family or doing it in your cubicle tomorrow morning, God has called us to be his witnesses, to be his tour guides. Point people to the masterpiece. Get out of the way and watch God change people's lives. Amen? And let's stand.